Well, I invite you to join me in Galatians 2. If you are not there already, Galatians 2, uh, verses 20 to 21. Galatians 2, verses 20 to 21. And let us open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we rejoice in that grace that is ours in Christ. We are His, a bride of grace. What hope there is for us in that reality that everything that is ours in Christ is ours by grace, not by merit not by anything that we can add or do, by the grace of God alone. What a privilege, what a joy, what hope there is in being a bride of grace. So Heavenly Father, even this evening as we look at this passage, these two short verses, may we rejoice together in that grace. May we come to see how life-giving, how hope-filling, how exciting that the grace of God is. May you be honored in all that I say and do in this next hour. In Jesus' name, amen. We're considering, continuing our series based on our theme for the year, a new song. We began the year by looking at several psalms that use that phrase, a new song. As we looked at those psalms, we came to, to see what do they mean by saying, as the psalmist confesses, I'm singing a new song. Even as we confess each week in our verse of the year, our new song is tied to the marvelous works of our great God. So after looking at those psalms, and then we've turned our attention to the New Testament, and we're working our way through, what are these things that we are singing in? What are singing of? What, what, are these, what is this hope that we have that we confess? We saw that, that, that singing a new song, it really comes down to our testimony. I have a new song, a new purpose, a new hope. That flows through everything that I do. We worked our way through much of Romans 8, looking at the fact that in Christ we sing with hope. The fact that in Christ we sing or live with confidence. And this evening as we turn our attention to Galatians 2, verses 20 to 21, we see that we sing by faith. You see, this new song is not ours by any works that we have done. We do not have a new song because we are good. Our new song is based on the grace that is ours in Christ. So we sing by faith. As we turn our attentions to Galatians 2, likely you are very familiar with the background of Galatians. We've been in Galatians in Sunday school. The youth group has been in Galatians in Sunday school. It wasn't that long ago, two or three years, I believe, when I preached through the book of Galatians. 
But just by way of reminder, Galatians is a book written by the Apostle Paul to several churches in a region. And that region is called Galatia. It is in modern-day southern Turkey. Specifically, it's written to the, the cities most likely of Derby, Iconium, Lystra, and Antioch of Pisidia. And what's interesting to note is that these cities, these four cities, are the only cities that Paul visits on every single one of his missionary journeys. On all three of them, he goes through this area. The first missionary journey is really focused kind of in this area. So we come to the book of Galatians, what I believe to be Paul's first, uh, the earliest at least that we have of Paul's written uh, epistles. Written shortly, I believe, before the Jerusalem Council, as we see in Acts 15. And dealing with the very same issues of that Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. It's dealing with issues of law and grace. Do we need to, now that we are in Christ, that Jesus has died and risen from the grave and ascended on high, in this dispensation, this this church that he has left, do, do we need to keep the law? Do we still need circumcision? And what Paul is arguing here in Galatians is that in Christ, we are free from the law. In fact, the law could never save to begin with. The law as a purpose of pointing out our sin, of showing us beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are sinners and you cannot live up to God's expectation. Galatians is really a book that draws our attention to the grace of God and how sweet it is. And really as you come to the end of Galatians 2 here, verses 20 to 21, Paul's really hammering home this point. In Galatians 1, Paul has spent majority of his time, Galatians 1, really, and half of Galatians 2, defending his call as an apostle and the authority that he, stand, that he has to, to write this epistle, to address these issues. And then as you get to the middle of chapter 2, Paul brings up this uh, conversation, this, this interaction that he has had with Peter. You may remember the the situation where where Peter was was, was preaching uh, grace and he was interacting with the Gentiles until certain people from Jerusalem came, from the church there in Jerusalem, pastored by James. And when they came, Peter, influenced by them, backs away from the Gentiles and starts spending all of his time with the Jews and and agreeing with the message, really, by his actions. He's agreeing with the message that these Judaizers are presenting, saying that Christ is not enough. They may not have said it in those words, but that is what they are teaching. That you need circumcision. You need the law. Really, you need merit. And Peter may not have meant to have said that, but by, by backing away by separating himself from the Gentile believers, that is exactly what he's saying by his actions. And and, and Paul calls him out on this. Paul addresses it very publicly because this is a big deal. In fact, as you get down to then Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21, Paul here is writing at the very end of this episode as he tells us about what was going on with, with Peter. He's writing this to tell us why this was such a big deal. 
Why did it matter that much? It mattered that much because as we come to verse 20 of Galatians 2, it says this, because I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is that big of a deal because I have been changed because everything has changed in Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Pause right there and meditate on that because that is really a shocking statement. Do not go past that without having it really rock your soul, impact you to your very core. I have been crucified with Christ. That word crucified has lost some of its power to us. We're so used to it in the church. He doesn't say, I I identify with Christ. I, I have been crucified with him. It is a radical statement on the on the definitive nature of the cross. Crucified. When he died for my sin, I died with my sin. I am dead to my sin. That's really the point that Paul goes on to make in Romans 6, verses 2 to 6. How can we, who have died to sin, live in sin? His whole point there is that we cannot You are free from the the power and the penalty of sin in Christ. You have died to sin because when Christ died, in Christ you died with him. Therefore, it is no longer I who live. It is no longer. It was. There was a time when I was living for myself. When I was living for my purpose, for my passion, the things that I pursued, there was a time when my life was about me, but everything has changed in Christ because I have been crucified with Christ. And so now it is no longer I who live. Everything has changed. I have been made new, as Ephesians 4.32 tells us. But Christ lives in me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That is my purpose. Christ is my hope. Really, it gets to another thing that Paul said, Philippians 1.21, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Because I died with him by the grace of God, and I have risen to life everlasting. He is my source of life. He is my purpose in life. That is why it is a big deal. That is why Paul had to stand up to Peter. Because sin 
the law, it has no more power over me because I died with Christ and Christ lives in me. But this brings up a question. If it is true that we are truly no longer under the law, then what is it that motivates us to holiness? If the grace of God has been poured out so abundantly upon us, why do we not just satisfy our own flesh and let the grace of God forgive it all? What is keeping Paul from just going off the deep end and doing whatever he wants? So Paul goes on to answer next. This is what is true. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I am now living in the flesh, this life, you know what keeps me from doing that? It's the fact that I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, what what Peter was proclaiming by by backing away and, and seemingly agreeing with those Judaizers, with his actions he was saying that Christ's work also needs the help of my works. I need works plus faith. What Paul is saying here is, no, 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 no. You see, the motivation to good works flows from my faith. It doesn't work with my faith. I do good works because of my faith, because I have been made new in Christ. Because I live by faith. It's a, it's a, a past action that has been completed with, with continuing results. I have been saved by faith, and I am living by faith. Faith in what? Because you can have faith in a lot of things. Faith in my ability to keep the law. Faith in, in the ability of the law to one day cleanse me. No. Faith in the Son of God. Faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is the one who loved me and gave himself for me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved me. And because he loved me, he gave himself for me. Willingly. I mean, this is really the full manifestation of the love of God and Christ for us. Seen in Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. His love drove him to the cross. To shed his blood, even as we will focus on a little bit later in this service. His blood was shed and his body was broken. For your sins. Because he loves you.
So Paul goes on in verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God. What he's essentially saying there is, is I, am the, I am not the one here who is downplaying the grace of God. Because I understand that if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. I do not set aside the grace of God. Rather, I embrace the grace of God. Because I understand that, that righteousness or holiness, it's, it is not a reward. It is a gift. And that is grace. I do, I do the opposite of setting aside the grace of God. I embrace and magnify the grace of law by leaning fully into the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter, on the other hand, Peter and these Judaizers who have come into these churches and who are demanding that, that these Galatian Christians add the law to their faith. They're really making the same mistake that Peter, Peter made all the way back in Matthew 16, verses 20 to 21, when Jesus told him that he must die and suffer and rise again. And Peter says, no, Lord! He's trying to minimize the cross. You must not do that. But he doesn't understand. And so Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. And here Peter makes the very same mistake. No, Lord, it's not enough. And once again, Paul says, Peter, step aside. I am not the one setting aside the grace of God. It is not Paul who has minimized the cross. It is Paul who magnifies the cross and the grace of God. You see, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. It was pointless. Because to merely add Christ to the law does not strengthen the law. It leaves the law the exact same. And what it does is it empties the cross of all power and purpose. And it leaves us powerless and hopeless. Christ died. Because there was no righteousness through the law. Christ died because we had no hope in ourselves. Christ died because we were utterly lost and hopeless. In fact, what Paul is saying here gets to the very heart of the Galatian issue. Christ is all I have and Christ is all I need. That's what Paul is saying here. Christ is all I have and Christ is all I need. I can't add anything to what Christ has done. So I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, understanding that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
and I lean fully into the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, do you understand the grace of God? Or do you still think that you can add your works? Do you still think that the things that you have done get you closer? It's not about what you can do. It's all about what Christ has done. That is grace. That is grace. So don't fall into the temptation that Peter fell into. But cling to the cross. Recognizing that righteousness is not a reward. Righteousness is a gift. From God in Christ. And that is grace. So brothers and sisters, we sing a new song by faith. The testimony that we proclaim in our new song in Christ is not a testimony of I can or I have. It's a testimony of Christ has. It's a testimony that magnifies the cross and the empty tomb. It's a testimony that looks to the future knowing that Christ is coming again. It's a testimony that proclaims not just from my words, but even from my actions, day in and day out, in the flesh, that I am living by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So brothers and sisters, this week, sing a new song by faith and sing it loudly and sing it boldly. Because in Christ you have hope. We're going to transition this evening to the Lord's table. We're going to sing the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross.